So Uday, um, you know, we talked about strengths, we talked about weaknesses, and actually we touched upon some of the things that uh, India could do. Uh, that leads us to, you know, further discuss what are the opportunities that India has, you know, uh, in the industry and the government has in terms of like, you know, uh, building up the pharmaceutical uh, sector from India? So uh, how I put it is that in terms of opportunities, even sky is not the limit as far as India is concerned. Primarily because we are present in some way or the other in almost all the uh, stages of the pharma value chain. So right. if you talk of uh, even the advanced ones like NCEs, uh, uh, new drug delivery systems, NDDS, uh, biosimilars, or research in uh, latest kind of drug discovery systems, targeted drug deliveries, etc. So we have started dibbling, dabbling almost in everything. Uh, when it comes to the adjacencies like instrumentation required or equipments required for pharma industry, even there we have started stepping in, although we are still very far away, but we are already there. So the opportunity is to build on each of these, decide on the priority, and then build on this. One of the things which we have been constantly uh, practicing ourselves is that you have to be agile, you have to communicate, and you must collaborate. So if you think that X, Y, Z country is your enemy, you actually will not survive because you'll be busy just trying to fight it out with them, rather than you should try and build on their strengths. And I've spoken about this earlier also. Now we have to start looking at other places also. And those are the opportunities. One of the big opportunities which came up last year, and especially at the beginning of this year, was the Quad Initiative. Now, mm. it's the start of something which is very exciting. Mm. It doesn't mean that we are going to show our thumb to China, but it does show that probably the, the Americans and the Japanese... Uh, first, and the Australians, right? And the Australians are taking very serious cognizance of India and its capabilities. So if you really look at it, the actual work under the Quad Vaccine Initiative is going to be done in India. Right. The funding will come from Japan or from USA. The logistics support in Asia back will come from Australia, but actually the production of the vaccine, the development of the vaccine will all be done in India. And that's something I think we should all actually stand up and clap because of this initiative. But what I mean is that this is just one initiative. There are many such initiatives. I mean, you have Siemens selling all the most modern diagnostic equipments in India. Right. You have the world's top diagnostic companies selling products in India. Right. And you have right. products now for diagnosing anything and everything, almost all the identified diseases, and they're available at a cost. Now, the opportunity lies therein. That why is it that that reagent cannot be made uh, that particular protein chain cannot be made in India or developed in India in collaboration with maybe the originator. The originator may be from Russia, maybe from Turkey, maybe from Germany, from anywhere. But that's that's where the key thing lies. And I think Indian companies are have always been very sharp at it, and now they're opened their eyes to it. Uh, we are collaborating, we are talking, and I think a lot of this will come about in the next few years. And that's why you see that while it has taken us almost about 50, 60 years to reach this level of $40 billion, for us to cross the Rubicon of $100 billion is not going to take another 50 years. It's going to take maybe just about 10, 15 years at most. And I, I don't even anticipate it will take that long if we uh, get our act 
uh, right so that is so one of the things related to quad initiative you know just in uh, uh, to get your perspective on that is that uh, across many many industry sectors right uh, many countries uh, many multinationals global giants in many industries are uh, de-risking their supply chain from china that is in a sense they 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 do china plus one right so so in based on the strengths that you talked about um, so we have an opportunity to be that in the pharma sector is that correct or not and then you know is that uh, how strong is that a possibility it is it is partially uh, correct venkat uh, uh, initially when uh, the lockdown started and sometimes actually in january uh, as they say Uh, things really became very bad because china went into a very severe lockdown and there were no shipments taking place from there and as a result what happened is that the whole world kind of bunkered down whatever supplies they had so india for example immediately said we are not going to export any more for some time so whether it was hydrochloroquine sulfate or whether it was paracetamol or metformin we just immediately went into a, a kind of a knee-jerk reaction and said nothing to be exported till the supply chains open up again so what this led to was what is known as the supply chain resilience initiative so quad if you see actually is nothing but part of us and japan's supply chain scri uh, the scr initiative now similar uh, uh, processes have taken place across the world so you have germany uh, which has uh, decided that is going to support its local industry with 12 billion euros of funds poland 2 and a half billion dollars of funds 2 and a half billion euros of fund spain similar amount italy double that amount uk france everybody around especially the european union which is a very important market for india is going into that kind of japan 2.2 billion dollars only to relocate their industries from china back to japan mm-hmm. so this is a huge opportunity for india to step in because india is along with china it is it was always a very big supplier of uh, key raw materials etc to japan japan is a very typical market they still want they will trust a 60 dollar per kg of paracetamol versus a 7 and a half dollar per kg of paracetamol supplied by india so they will they will have a local manufacturer which will be making it at 60 dollars or orion from finland making it at 65 dollars uh, they will buy that but they will not buy it from india immediately because it is nothing to do with the japanese industry or the diet or the policies of the diet it is all to do with the customer in japan mm-hmm. it's the culture so what the japanese industry usually does is they get into collaboration with indian companies so we have almost all the big indian companies with offices there uh, transfer of technology is taking place partially the product is made in india the final stage is made in japan etc 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 so these kind of collaborations are really really opening up and in the last 6 months even a small company like mine i'm a mid size company i'm not a giant pharma we have had approaches from almost all the big companies and we have been also hearing that all of them wish to de-risk their supply chain in fact some of those companies have gone to the other extreme like for example sanofi i was reading a paper says that in the coming 5 years they are going to stop buying anything 
not just from china but also from india and this Red is time, yeah. the the key thing is that they don't want the supply chain to be very long so i was talking to the cfo of this particular company and one of the things which he came across was that it's very it's, it's similar to what happened in the case of the uh, the siege of moscow and why napoleon lost out was because of the huge uh, sorry why hitler lost out was because of the huge very long supply chain so this is what they don't want to face so the opportunity now for india is to actually invest in these countries so that is what is prompting companies even like us uh, to step out and in fact we are thinking ourselves of doing some investments in one of these european countries so that we take our strengths from here and at the same time provide a supply chain alternative to our customers in the european union by being closer to them right by so uh, apart from the yeah sorry apart from the supply chain things that we have discussed in greater detail um, almost every sector is now talking about artificial intelligence and then you know even in drug discovery there have been a lot of uh, you know new stories about like how cutting edge uh, techniques have helped new drug discovery uh, you know um, so is is there some area you know something that being done in india what should india do is that an opportunity for indian pharma it's a brilliant uh, uh, aspect venkat uh, which you have brought up and in fact that's one area which should be of great focus for indian industry i want to give you a small example of uh, how things are moving along in the world and how fast they're moving along so all over last year there was this huge thing about covid diagnostic kits now diagnostic kits is something which is a very important part of the pharma chain it is a product it is actually a pharma product because it helps you discover so very quickly along the way many companies in india and uh, also of course in various other countries started thinking that why is an rt pcr test taking 24 hours to get mm. the result why can't we get the results in 4 hours the reason mm. is that the bottleneck seem to be that there is a glass uh, slide which has 96 wells in which the microassays are made and two assays for each patient just to ensure that there is uh, fallback this thing and 48 tests to be done together minimum of at least uh, 25 to 30 patients for each test and that's why they had to wait for the samples to be collected right so now the pressure from the industry and from the doctors etc is i had a chat with a doctor to whom we are now trying to sell something which we are buying from uh europe we are getting into collaboration with a european company for that it's a diagnostic kit for a very advanced level of women's uh, health endometriosis and the doctor was telling me this doctor in bombay was explaining to me ki putain this kit is good but there is no usp get me a kit where the woman comes to my clinic and i am ready to test it on one single person and don't just give me the yes or no answer that whether she is suffering from this disease or not i also want to know the intensity of the disease so that i can actually give personalized so this is the level to which and i mean this is of course thanks to the uh, the medical education level in india because we have i'm sure all of you are aware of it we have excellent doctors also an excellent hospital clinic yeah the good use of ai is to be have yeah. prescriptive so this right? is just one aspect of it the second aspect of course is 
you know the most prevalent diseases in the world today are oncology mm-hmm. some of the lifestyle diseases and one disease which uh, most of the world has been ignoring for many uh, years now are diseases of the bronchial tract what is known as copd the the uh, congestive obstructive pulmonary diseases category of products asthma bronchial uh, bronchial infections pneumonia etc etc and this is it is extremely prevalent it is now there in every part of the world it was largely being ignored now these have come up in this till now the world was moving more with either single uh, uh, medicines in those typical uh, nebulizers or inhalers the pump type of it Right. then came those uh, disc type of things with combinations even that they were just single dosages being given by the original patent holders so that's one area where there are many indian companies are already working because india is one of the largest sufferers uh, from this particular malady copd right. Right. then again in case of oncological so there are a lot of artificial intelligence tools now available which uh, indian uh, the research scientists are working on to quickly screen the possible candidates for treatment whether mm-hmm. it is a biomolecule or whether it is a typical chemical molecule mm-hmm. so there is lot of tools now available and correct application and usage of these is a huge opportunity i mean not just the development of the tools which is which could be a, a part of the next generation of ites services which indian companies could develop data consultancy and all these people specialized artificial intelligence tools for drug discovery predictive technologies for for developing predictive uh, techniques for uh, certain kinds of diseases so those so are the linking, so linking it back to what you said in the previous discussions on weaknesses and the kind of facilities india should set up are there kind of uh, you know can you link this you know uh, with kind of facilities that we should have to support uh, drug discovery drug delivery and so on what should we do what should india do see we 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 have uh, we have now several uh, there are certain companies and dr reddy is just to name one who have dedicated research foundations so almost mm-hmm. all the big indian drug companies are now dedicating a lot of their funds towards uh, development drug discovery and as i said that probably by the next year we should happily be seeing the first fully wholly developed indian drug uh, getting approval uh, the important aspect uh, is that the speed is only going to build up and therefore what will happen is india has always been a very me too kind of an economy so mm-hmm. if ranbaxy has done it somebody else did it somebody else did it so there was a time when there were uh, there were only three uh, units in india uh, which were qualified for supplies to usfd today we are the highest number of usfd approved units for supplies this is despite the fact that in the last two years many units have been Uh, there is an import ban against many of these units even then we are 100 plus units and china is at 28 so it's it's it, this is something which i think is a huge opportunity for india because drug discovery is becoming now uh, indian companies are becoming more and more conversant with this whole aspect of drug discovery mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. having easy access to this uh, this requires very deep pockets and therefore government really needs to look at it more like an infrastructure building health infrastructure rather than just look at it at helping one industry 
because at the end of it, it will be 1.4 billion Indians also who will benefit from new drug. So what should they do? Like central research organizations or something like that? I what think CSI, CSIR, etc. are now slowly, uh, you know, I, I believe there is revamping, etc. being planned. Uh, as I said, there are more NIPERs being opened and these knowledge parks are coming up. And the design of the knowledge parks will determine a lot of it because it's not just about using artificial intelligence for drug discovery, but also for doing process instrumentation for better delivery. quality drug delivery systems, etc. So the excellent. As yeah. I said, the, the the opportunities are anything whole... which you pick up on the value chain, there is an opportunity. Green okay. chemistry. If you just talk of basic uh, intermediates, now you can either make chemicals in the same old way as they were traditionally being made or move towards enzymatic chemistry, green chemistry, reduce the pollution load. So for maybe the industry, the chemical and the basic industry, basic intermediates industry, that is the opportunity. For yeah. us, the industry is more, uh, you know, picking up uh, sharper molecules from the duct discovery system using artificial intelligence. And these tools are now becoming more and more and more. Uh, there's this concept of uh, uh, deep knowledge uh, artificial yeah. intelligence where you know data kind of self-sustains so whatever you learn you put it back into the software and then it reprocesses it it, very it learns itself also it, right it, it has a machine learning yeah so that it shortens deep. your time period if the 10-year period of drug discovery is expected that it will become only two or three years maybe right. we are far away from it but those are the opportunities and i think india is has the scientific brains and the technical expertise but you need now the willpower from and the support from government and the okay. private leading private I, sector players to move I, forward. Yeah, because you know, if you talk in terms of R&D investment, we are sadly behind. Right. The, right. Uh, the largest Indian company doing investment in R&D is in the range of about 250-300 million US dollars. My company Small. does barely about 1 million US dollars. Right. <laughs> we are so, doing, on an average, we do about 8%, 7 to 8% of our cross revenue as this, whereas it has to be much more than that, much more. Right. So, so let's let's take that forward, uh, the discussion forward. So, the, you know, some of the points that you have made also uh, sort of uh, point to some of the threats that could be looming at large in the in in the you know for the Indian pharma sector. So, like you said, that some of these countries, uh, like you gave the example of companies too, like Sanofi, and you talked about Germany, Poland, etc. Uh, you know, looking to set up uh, near home, near shore, near home, or inside the country itself. You know, setting up the capabilities and so on. So. So is is that you know one of the major uh, threats that you're looking at? What are the other threats when you know company countries and companies are looking, multinationals are looking to you know uh, build more self-reliance, more near-shore facilities? So there are uh, there are three major risks, and this is apart from the risk which was caused by this unfortunate pandemic of COVID, which we foresee as constantly happening, which industry keeps right. on monitoring right uh, the large countries which buy pharmaceutical products which don't have enough of their own manufacturing uh, capacity are tracts of latin america mm -hmm. are the whole african continent because they sure. there is a, there is some development in the the maghreb countries and the north african region like egypt algeria etc and these are big countries right 
Nigeria, Egypt. But even then, they are they are barely catering to their population, just two or three percent of production as compared to what is required. They have been undergoing tremendous amount of upheavals, whether it is in terms of political, whether it is currency or anything. And the same goes for many countries which were plotted as being among the top five countries in the emerging markets. So for example, Algeria, for example, Turkey, for example, Mexico. Last year, Turkey has gone through a bloodbath as far as their currency is concerned. Absolutely. Even now, has, right, again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 15% it, draft with, uh, uh, you know, drop in the, the, drop in the banker, in the US dollar. The banker versus, being yeah, losing. The banker being the changed. Central banker. The central banker being changed. Similarly, it happened in the case of Mexico when Trump came about with his sanctions, etc. I'll put up a wall, I'll do this, I will do that. And the Mexican piso went for a toss. Um, our cricket language went for a sixer. <laughs> now, these emerging markets suffered. And this is a risk which only industry which is dealing directly with them for whom it is an important market, they monitor. So we monitored Brazil suffered, Algeria suffered, Egypt suffered. Iran suffered, Iran suffered hugely, Turkey yeah. suffered, Mexico suffered. So this is a geopolitical risk, which is it's a threat, which is constantly there. And we must do this. The second risk, as you very rightly put it, is that this supply chain disruption really put the Europeans and the Americans and the Japanese uh, into a inward uh, self-reliant. Yeah. But fortunately for all of them, good sense prevailed. And it does seem that the risk perception of India as compared to China is far lesser. India is considered as a better partner because even in the past when some uh, surprise of some product has shot up tremendously, Indian suppliers have kept their uh, cool and, uh, you know, maintained contractual, their obligations. contractual obligations and supply it at the same rate, etc. Uh, one very big threat which could uh, kind of... Uh, emerge, I would say, which is something for us to see. Uh, and I have spoken about it indirectly during the, the previous things which I spoke about is that if, see what happened in the case of penicillin. We thought when IDPL closed down, there were a couple of other plants. There was one, J, uh, JK Pharmaceutical was running and there was this couple of small companies, Rajasthan Antibiotics, et cetera, et cetera, with small capacities. We were reliant heavily on China. We never actually stopped, whether the government of India, whether it was the large consumers, they never stopped and thinking what is our supply chain uh, threat or the risk. Mm -hmm. So similarly today, the threat which could be looming is in terms of what kind of material of construction is being, is being made available. Whether we are upgrading our skills in terms of manpower to meet the requirements of coming times, whether it is uh, artificial intelligence handling, bioinformatics, personalized medicine, medical care, de designing of new instruments, etc., uh, designing of new equipments which requires certain, like you need huge bioreactors to be good in fermentation. And to make those bioreactors, you need certain kind of instrumentation, you need certain kind of alloys, you need certain kind of, uh, you know, technicians and of course power, etc. So unless until we get our act together and start thinking of all these things together, we will miss the boat yet again. And this time it will be a more expensive boat. Right. So, so that's given the, the yeah, given uh, the the 
points that you were mentioning earlier you know in terms of weaknesses and our over dependence on on china for many of the pharmaceutical raw materials uh, one of the things that come to my mind is uh, you know uh, in the mobile phone and uh, semi you know in the industry the threat that china uh, made when it came to uh, rare earth metals some years back right they told uh, the japanese and some others that like you know domestic priorities first and uh, your uh, you know so our uh, rare earths won't be exported and then you know the whole uh, industry last uh, you know lost a few heartbeats right uh, so my question is is there such a possibility um, and is that not a threat that the key pharmaceutical raw material inputs theoretically it's just just you know geopolitics kind of scenario you know discussions scenario planning we we hope that everybody cooperates but given that we saw that example in the rare earth metals can there be a threat of raw material supply choking by any major supplier this will uh, go on but uh, this this is this is a real threat it it does loom on the surface maybe for example it has been there for a while in lithium hmm. you are aware of it lithium batteries are a very large source and if there are just this one company or two companies which have the sources in place or control the sources so this has been there for a very long time so api pharma apis also there's uh, a possibility APIs, fortunately for us there is no such uh, no particular product which is uh, controlled by one single country one single thing there have been monopolies in the past where big uh, companies like for example boringer ingelheim or linea of switzerland etc they bought over whole farmlands and they there were these certain natural extracts which uh, came from those particular plants but then over a period of time india certain parts of africa sudan etc with similar tropical Uh, environment they started growing these plants so these threats were always there but uh, i don't see uh, too much of that happening uh, because r&d is also keeping pace so newer and newer materials are being found so if x is in short supply already y z are being developed for the same application true so i'm not talking about the natural source of supply alone but if some country can really become the lowest cost supplier everybody else becomes addicted to that source of supply that is already become i mean for if you see the top uh, antibiotics sold in the world uh, whether it is the whole series of fluoroquinolones that is levofloxacin ofloxacin norfloxacin mm-hmm. series whether it is the cephalosporins is cephaclorexafadroxil cephalexin etc whether it is uh, the carbapenems is the last stage antibiotics imipenem veropenem etc penicillin g for mix metformin bcda the key ingredient comes from uh, uh, china penicillin comes from china all the erythromycin uh, salt comes from china so it's going to take the world and uh, almost uh, in fact india which is the largest consumer Uh, where i see some uh, relief being available is that china knows that it cannot live without india okay. on certain cases so for them to build up that kind of reputation is going to take them a bit of a time for them to come up with us at par on certain antibiotics is going to take them 7 8 10 years because the process itself of getting registered of getting approved by regulating agencies is long secondly 
This will also give up Indian industry the grace period required to set up their own uh, backward integration units. So Aurobindo, for example, which was the largest importer of penicillin G, is already talking to the government of India for permission under the new policy to set up a penicillin plant. So, I mean, this is hearsay information. I haven't spoken to the Aurobindo people, but I'm told that this is what is... So there is there are steps being to demitigate uh, this risk. Oh, sorry, to mitigate this risk, there are steps being... Uh, right. So, so moving on to some of the, you know, uh, you know look into the future uh, quickly, you know, in, in a couple of minutes, because, uh, you know, some of the things that you have already alluded to, to, so maybe you could give a wrap around that. You have already spoken about new drug discovery systems using artificial intelligence, so we don't have to revisit that. Uh, you know, um, you also talked about uh, data mining and putting to advantage. What are the couple of other uh, points quickly that you would like to point to for our listener, you know, for our viewers, for listeners to understand what could be the new emerging trends? Uh, so one I mentioned briefly was about uh, diagnostics, because I believe right. that that will become a very big tool in the coming years. Okay. Uh, okay. Certain diseases, uh, certain women's health diseases, in various large tracts of the world, including India, where it is a taboo for women to talk about their gynecological problems. <clears throat> it sometimes takes uh, 10 years, 15 years for the patient to even discover that she has endometriosis, for example. Now, if you could reduce this to two or uh, uh, let's say two years or even lesser, it, it makes so much more, it makes so much more uh, sense. Uh, similarly, uh, you know, there is this uh, whole concept of uh, new kind of uh, predictive diagnostic kits or personalized diagnostic kits. Now, today you can measure your sugar at home. So why mm -hmm. is it that you can't have a tool which can tell you whether you have a certain biomarker uh, of a certain kind of a cancer? Mm -hmm. So predictive diagnostic kits which can give you advanced warning or sound you that these are the diseases. So this is one area which is new, which is coming up. So essentially, this will be self-care, personalized diagnostics, high, and uh, personalized focus medicine. On personalized medicine, self-care. And then there is another important field which is emerging. Uh, healthcare has always been about putting the patient first, whether it is the hospital, the service part of it, whether it is the drug delivery part of it. So within drug discovery, new developments are happening. So if you can draw a sample without actually injecting a needle mm. through a mechanism which is now being developed in certain parts of the world called TAP, where you mm. put the device against the skin and it through picofluidics draws a certain amount of lipid or whatever is the mechanism, it's still very hush-hush. Or for example, you have to give somebody an anesthesia and the person is mortally scared of- uh, Anesthesia. Anesthesia or a needle. So you give a painless, a painless jab through this kind of a technology where the patient doesn't even realize that the doctor is talking to you and suddenly he or she keeps his hand on your that particular part of the body and you're injected already. So these are the kind of new things where patient will become the central center for. And I mean, our industry is something which is so close to human life. It is, it is about human life. So. I think that's I get, I get very, very interesting areas that you talked about. I think uh, in addition, if we could do some advances in preventive care also, that will be fabulous. Preventive care is going to be the big thing. Like sugar detection has become 
blood pressure detection everybody has a kit at home so i have a feeling that many such diseases you will find in the, uh, these things at home itself that you can take care of the patient at home personally one wonderful then i think it's a very very positive and uh, you know upbeat note at which uh, we can uh, you know bring this discussion to a close we will definitely call you back and we could have another round of discussion there are many many areas that we have not yet explored we had a good discussion on the strengths the weaknesses opportunities threats and a few you know just a sprinkling you know peep into i would say uh, about the new trends and you know what are the possibilities which are the out there but definitely we should have another round of discussions maybe you know sometime in the future so so thank you very much um, excellent uh, try to share whatever little bit i know of the industry and my field it was a pleasure talking to you thank you thank you so much thanks thank you for joining us in yet another episode of move conversations hope you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the move conversations youtube channel and press the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes thank you very much till i see you in the next episode thank you very much have a great day